didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, looking at every single episode of Stranger Things, starting from season one. And now we are on to season two. We are at chapter six, which is called The Spy. And Colin is here with your recap. The sixth chapter of Stranger Things 2, titled The Spy, debuted on Netflix on October 27, 2017. It was written by Kate Treefry and directed by Andrew Stanton and has a runtime of 52 minutes and two seconds. It's still Saturday, November 3rd, 1984, and Will is being rushed through the halls of the Hawkins lab after his flailing and screaming at the end of last week's episode. Hopper, meanwhile, is getting a shower Shawshank style. At the same time, Dustin and Steve are on their way to the Henderson house to get the demodog trapped in the cellar, but when they get there, they discover the little dude has broken through the cinder block wall and escaped into the tunnels. Back at the lab, Joyce is going off on the team of scientists who are treating her son, sort of, while a few streets over, agents are ransacking the buyer's house. Meanwhile, in Illinois, Nancy Jonathan and Murray mail copies of Owens's confession tape to the newspapers and then sit down for a few swigs of Slottich Naya. Since it's late, Murray suggests they stay the night, cutting through the sexual tension between Nancy and Jonathan with a knife. Eventually, the two give into their yearnings and get jiggy with it. The next morning, Sunday, November 4th, Owens takes Hopper down into the pit of despair to show him how big the rift has become. Lucas finally answers Dustin's code red and agrees to meet him and Steve at the junkyard. And Joyce finally spills all the beans to Bob. After the world's most awkward breakfast at the warehouse, Murray sends Jonathan and Nancy home with a bottle of vodka and a polite request to never come back again. Back at the lab, Will can't remember who anyone is except for Joyce and Mike, and then Owens runs a little test to show how the shadow monster is connected to everything, including whatever is in Will. Steve and Dustin leave a meat trail and bond while talking about girls and hairspray before meeting Lucas and Max at the junkyard to get ready to trap Dart. Meanwhile, Hopper radios in a heartbreaking apology to Eleven, who is not at the cabin, and Will announces that he knows how to stop the shadow monster and tells Owens where to send the soldiers. As night falls, Dart wanders into the junkyard along with a few of his buddies, but they run away before enjoying a tasty alternative to cow. Indeed, the shadow monster through Will has set a trap, and the demodogs kill all the soldiers before making their way to the control room of the lab. The end of chapter six. This was a really spooky chapter. It was, I think it's one of my favorite chapters ever in the whole series. It is very good. I yeah. was thinking that you'd said that when I was watching it, but yeah, it's... Uh, it goes back to that like spooky tone of the first episode in season one. It does. Yeah. It's also the only episode without 11. Yes. I was going to say that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. next week we get to go into my favorite episode. <laughs> you, you say that with such um, love and, and respect. <laughs> I would be fine skipping that episode. We don't even have to talk about it. It'll be, it'll be kind of fun to talk about. It, so. so I know we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about all the tire peel outs and everything like that. Yeah. We, we, yeah. St- we start this episode <laughs> with a tire screech. It's just great. I love that somebody took the time to do that. Yep. Um, and then we go into the lab and Will's flailing around and they're trying to treat him, but they don't know what they're treating him for. And then Hopper gets his little shower. So yeah, we get a lot. Do you want to do your homework before oh, we right. get I into keep forgetting. it? I keep forgetting. Yes, let's. No, that's fine. But are you ready for your homework? You're late again. Yeah, I had to get catch-up homework. 
I honestly don't know. <laughs> okay. You told me I know. to get as specific as possible. So this is what I'm doing. Question one for chapter six, the spy is how many doctors are in the conference room with Joyce when she's telling them off? Seven, including Owens. Correct. <laughs> I actually counted. <laughs> I thought you were, I, you know, and I almost asked what was, what was said on the sign that was in Murray's house by the steps. And I was like, he's definitely going to, he's definitely going to know that. Oh, I don't remember what it is. I remember seeing it though. If you told me, I'm like, I know it, obviously. Yeah. It's it? a, he's watching you. That's right. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's the, kind of the big brother sign. That's right. Yeah. No, I remember, I just like that scene with Joyce and the doctors because it starts with just her and then Owens and the other doctor, and you don't know who she's talking to. And then finally, mm-hmm. when she says, can anybody hear? And you, then the camera flips around and you yeah. see that there's seven doctors sitting yeah. there. So. Okay. Question number two, what is Billy's license plate number? Oh, I just saw it tonight too. Cause I was rewatching another episode. I will quit this podcast. If you know this, uh, it's like, it's California and it's like PCE two, six, five or something, something like that. Or CPC. We're very close. It's PCE two, three, five. Well, come on now. No, you're not getting it. No, I can't get five sixths of a point. I feel like I have, you've never missed one. Okay. Number three, how many spotlights are set up when Owens takes hop down to see the rift? Oh boy. I have no idea. I did like that scene though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would just completely guess and say like five. I have no idea. Four. Four. Okay. Four. Uh, and finally, how many electrodes were stuck to Will's face? Uh, one on each side, one on the, I think it was uh, one on each side, one on his forehead. And then there, was there another one? Or was it just three? I'll go with three, but I think it's probably more. It's six. Is it really? It like wow. Makes a ra- It's like one, two, three. It goes all the way around. Oh, on his forehead. Yeah. Okay. Those are good questions. So I like that. I mean, I felt very petty pulling these, <laughs> making these questions up. All right. Let me go back into the, uh, where in the world is this? And we'll, we'll figure out how yeah. to make these a little bit more uh-huh. difficult. Yeah. No, okay. I never pass them anyways. <laughs> so I, I don't know. This whole episode for me is Dustin and Steve. I mean, I know oh, some, yeah. other, some other stuff happened, but I mean, that's, um, and, and the Nancy Jonathan stuff. So we can, we can kind of talk about one or the other or both or however Which, you want to do it. Well, we can talk about both, but. I've never been a shipper of Nancy and Jonathan. I haven't never, either. But I never I, wanted them together. But I just love the scenes. I just, I, I think it's just great. And Murray is, he's just so. I like Murray a lot. So I yeah. like the inclusion of Murray, you know, getting his, you know, scenes in or whatever. But I, I don't know. I, I'm just, Nancy and Jonathan are just kind of. Yeah, no, I like Murray as, as kind of the catalyst for them. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, well, they may get together eventually, but I don't think they would have gotten together as quickly. <laughs> not Probably for, not for Murray. Do we um, know? Do we know when they started dating in real life? Was it during season one? I don't know, actually. No, I, I'm I, I almost know. positive they're still together. He has a son, though, hmm. which I did not. I was not aware of. I just learned that recently. 
yeah so I, I love how they're they're sipping down the the slotich naya again um well, nancy has no problems drinking it did you catch no that? yeah she, she took a second <laughs> a second gulp yeah, yeah. but you saw the uh, the the kind of Temple of Doom reference. They actually talked about that in the book. Uh, Worlds turned upside down. Natalia Dyer says uh, there she was referencing uh, Indiana Jones and Willie, uh, Kate Capshaw's character in mm-hmm. Temple of Doom, uh, and she said they have this "I hate you, I love you" kind of thing. And I think there's a little bit of that between Jonathan and Nancy. Those days filming with Brett Gilman, who played Murray, were some of my mm-hmm. favorite days of the whole shoot because we had two or three solid days of just getting to play in this weird space. Brett was so fun and funny, and he was different every take. I could see him being like that. Yeah, the the little bit with the um, uh, when he drops the eggs when he's eating, <laughs> um, he's taking a Brett or Murray's taking a bite mm-hmm. of eggs, and it kind of falls off his sword and goes, "Oops!" Oh <laughs> and yeah, and you can see Nancy who's like trying not to lose it, um, but they you know that's the take they use, and they kind of kept going with it. But yeah, so back to Temple of Doom. I'll actually, I'll post a link to it um, on our socials because they have that. Um, movie clips pulled isolated that clip out so it's the scene where Indy and, and Willie are um kind of will they won't they and they're in separate bedrooms and they kind of come across and they yeah. go back across and that kind of thing so it was it was very clearly modeled after that and the Duffer said it was so I thought that was an interesting um interesting little parallel but yeah so the whole bit with Murray eating the eggs <laughs> that was just great <laughs> just, I didn't realize that that was an accident and I thought I remember thinking that was weird how he said it but yeah, it was completely an accident, and he just kind of kept decided to keep rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Goes, Oops! And, <laughs> but if you if you go back and watch, Nancy is like really trying to stifle a laugh. It's it's kind of funny. But so, then we get, go ahead. Well, this is a different movie reference, but remember when I talked about the alien reference with Doctor Owens in maybe the first episode, mm-hmm. and he said something like another hot one, yeah, or something. Yep, that I was incorrect. That's not, and it came to me this episode. I'm sure if anybody was listening, they were yelling at me for saying that that was what he said. No, it's in Aliens, Aliens, and it's Bill Paxton's character who says, stay frosty, boys. And that's what one of the guards says when they're walking into the upside down before, when Will sets, yeah, Will sets up the trap. Right. And he's, that's the Aliens reference. Oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought, I thought there was also the, I mean, cause I had looked it up at the time when you said it, cause I didn't remember it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I knew the stay frosty reference. Yeah. So that's for summary. Like, I guess in my head, I knew there was an aliens reference and I guess that maybe I associated it with temperature. So <laughs> when he said another hot one, I was like, Oh, that's it. But then tonight when I heard it, I was like, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> definitely stay frosty. Yeah, no, that, that that whole scene when when the when the monsters were up in the uh, in the ceiling, and and they're kind of tracking them on their little device, and they see the mm-hmm. little blips coming. They actually use the same blip sound um, for Stranger Things. They they lifted the blip sound to to have it be the same. You know, the beep beep. You know, kind of the radar-y kind of sound when the demodogs they, are coming. They use the same. They use the same sound effect from from aliens. Oh, you said from Stranger Things. So I was like, did oh, someone? Yeah. yeah. In Aliens, when they're standing there and they have their guns and they're waiting for gotcha. the monsters and they can't yep. figure out where they are. And it turns out they're in the ceiling mm-hmm. and they're tracking them on the little thing. And the blip, blip, blip. That's the same blip, blip, blip sound that they used in Stranger Things. So it's. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But then we also have the, um, the it's a trap, you know. Admiral yeah. Ak- Akbar. <laughs> 
So back to Nancy and Jonathan real quick. I loved one last thing on that scene. And and so they had their little night together and then they get, you know, they they go into Jonathan's room and they shut the door and then it cuts to Erica playing with the oh, dolls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Making, making the kissy face with the dolls. So I thought that was kissing a, and moaning sounds. That was, a, the... that was a neat little, uh, <laughs> a neat little join of the two scenes. I thought that was good. And I know maybe we've talked about this before and we'll get to see more of Erica in season four well in season three and then she's in season four as well but i really hope they develop her character more yeah, i she, really she, love the actress i think she is amazing yeah I, she did good and she kind of came into her own in season three a little bit too i think she was a good foil to them once we get there mm-hmm. um and she kind of had fun with it she was she was obviously a year and a half older or whatever too so so that helped she's real mean to lucas yeah <laughs> real mean <laughs> to code red <laughs> shut up <laughs> So you mentioned the um, the counting of the, the spotlights down in the in the pit of despair. There, that was mm-hmm. that was almost my kind of Stranger Thing moment, you know, or in oh, really? relatives, yeah, just because because we had only ever seen when they go in and you know they're kind of above ground, you know, when they're fixing that light switch thing, or when Shepard goes in, or whatever. You only yeah. kind of see they go so, through like the webbing, yeah. So to just see all this expanse, like this huge. I mean, how far down did they go? I mean, it's just crazy yeah. how huge this is. It actually it creates a lot of questions in general, or just potential fan theories about the upside down. And is it only accessible in Hawkins? Are they? Like, did the demo dogs just get out in that one place? Are they somehow able to make you know openings like the demogorgon and just kind of come through where they want? Yeah, and that was kind of my thought too when Steve and Dusta go down into the cellar because it's, I mean, the cinder blocks are kind of in the basement, which kind of leads me to believe that something from the other side maybe broke came, through, broke through, and kind of rescued Dart, you know, rescued Dart, yeah, um, as opposed to Dart kind of digging out. So and they yeah. never say where Dustin lives per se. I'm sure there's a map somewhere. But does he live on, you know, the outskirts of town where he's closer to these pumpkin fields or is the or is the upside down just expanding all underneath Hawkins? No, I like think and, and I think that's the that's the scene when when Steve and Dustin shine the flashlight in the tunnel and it, it zooms mm-hmm. out, and, you know, and you just see how huge the tunnels are. No, Dustin's in the neighborhood. I mean, he's remember the shot because Lucas in the last episode goes toddling off on his bike to the tune of Colin's moment. And, oh, yeah. And so he leaves his house and he goes right by Dustin's house because mom's looking for music in the front. Oh, yard. that's so, right. That's right. Yeah, so they're all right there, but I think that's just kind of showing the expense. Now, it is not a huge town, obviously. No, it's not that, but the more I was looking at is like the risk of this horrifying dimension just below everyone's, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's affected at least six farmers, right? Because you got Eugene, the other guy, and then Odell and Christensen and, you know, so and those are not small farms, I would imagine either, so. Well, and there's, I'm like, why is the town not overrun with Demogorgons? But thanks to the Stranger Things wiki today and my research into the life cycle of a Demogorgon, you know, the slug is like the the baby, like larva stage of a Demogorgon. It has to be put in someone and that's what Will throws up at the end of season one. Well, then, you know, it goes to the slug, the polywog. The Frogogorgon, okay. They call it. 
a catagorgon, because that's when it's like eating muse, a demodog, and then a demogorgon. But think about the time span from when Will pukes up the slug to when Dustin finds it thrashing around his trash can. Right. So, yeah. So I don't think it's the same one, clearly, because. Well, I read a theory that said their growth depends on how much food they get. So once Dustin started feeding it, it like sped up the process immensely. Yeah, but I mean, Will puked his up like mid-December 83, right? Yeah, it was like a a year and nine months. Yeah, and then so Dustin, like 10 months later on Halloween. Oh, yeah, sorry. It was 10 months after. Yeah, finds it in the trash. So, I mean, that's why I was thinking, I think it's probably a different one. I think the slug one maybe just went out of the sewers and. But I, then how did one get into Dustin's trash can? You know, Right. So, That's what I'm then, saying. Like, I don't yeah. understand how they're all like how the town isn't overrun with them. Yeah. But I don't know. Let's just talk about Billy smoking while he lifts weights. Oh, was, my gosh. It was very reminiscent of Hopper in the very first episode. Yeah. It's just, you know, getting ready, smoking, drinking beer while he's working out. And Hop was getting ready and smoking, yeah. drinking beer, he's brushing his teeth. Three feet from the door and can't be bothered to answer it. So he has to get. Oh, max. gosh. <laughs> and he just looked so sweaty yeah just like and like to think about like smoking a cigarette when you're already hot like and ugh. drinking beer it's like where are their parents where yeah. where's the mom and dad they're never home yeah and i like how he was listening to uh billy was listening to rat too so he's gone back to his hair metal roots after that little departure into punk rock in the yeah. last episode so yeah i feel like some girl got him into that like that first like that punk rock song like some yeah. girl told him about it and that's the only reason he liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. So all the lab stuff with the, with Will and they did the test on the tentacle and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, eh, whatever. Um, so then we get Steve and Dustin showing up at the junkyard after their little stroll down the train tracks, kind of yeah. half of standby me style, you know, two guys instead of, you know, the four guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get his, his, all his girl advice um which i love i love the oh. advice i love the advice he gives yeah you act like you don't care man drives act like crazy. you don't care and then like 10 minutes later <laughs> lucas is in the van and doing the exact opposite yeah <laughs> and and paying attention to her and engaging her in conversation and yeah being sympathetic and actually you know kind of gets the girl well and dustin is like dustin's already aggravated because she's with lucas and like steve is like here you go buddy He's like, just act like, keep acting like you don't care. And he's like, I don't. And then Steve winks at him like, sure, you don't. <laughs> Dustin said, stop winking, Steve. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I love I loved the whole bit in the um, in the junkyard. I thought the, the nighttime scenes um, were great. But I also like the setup scene, too, kind of the montage Of know. them getting the bus ready and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, getting the bus yeah. ready and moving everything around. And Steve walks in, you know, they when they get there and he... He's like, yeah, this will do. This will do just fine. And you know, yeah. kind of get the sunglasses and everything. And that's not a members only jacket that he's wearing, though, is it? It is. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, OK. Yeah. The two buttons at the top or what made you think it was. Yeah, that's great. It's got the little it says members only right on the uh, breast pocket there. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to take a little quick deep detour to Hopper's radio call to 11. Oh, 
um, which I thought was just so great. I just, I loved that scene. I mean, you know, talk about playing off nothing. I mean, you know, you're just, you're a guy sitting alone in the car talking into a radio and to summon up those emotions. And and I think it was really placed really well in the show too, because, you know, you're just coming out of, you know, kind of walking on the train tracks and before things really get going and stuff. It was, it was really well done. I thought. Do we know how long he's been gone? Like how many days has he been away from the cabin? Enough time for her in the afternoon, two days ago to find the box. And then the next day go to Terry's house. Okay. So. So he spent two days in the tunnels, two days. Well, maybe he was in the tunnels for, I mean, he went down in the afternoon, right? Because he grabbed the shovel and he dug the thing and he went down in. And then they came out and got him that night. But who knows how long in the They've night They've been in the lab. Yeah. yeah. Too, anyways. And then he came out and he had to get the whole shower. And then, you know, then a, sick, a new day I comes. Well, he, he got the goo in his face. Remember, he was throwing up. He was throwing up the black slime when he was in the tunnels. Oh, that's right. That's right. For some reason, I was thinking this was a different type of throw up, but carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so back to um, Dustin and Steve and the whole the Fabergé organics and the Farrah Fawcett spray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, you know, spoiler alert, but how that comes back up at the end of the season. I, I just oh, I think yeah. it's such a great little callback. And I actually went digging a little bit on, you know, kind of into Fabergé Organics and Farrah Fawcett spray. And, I don't you know, remember that. I remember Farrah Fawcett spray. Farrah but- Fawcett spray was actually part of Fabergé Organics. She she did it for oh. Fabergé's line. It was her own thing, um, but it was part of, you know, Fabergé, like Dasani's part of Coke, kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So Fabergé Organics shampoo. And I also thought it was interesting, and I had thought about this. I almost made it my kind of um, my 80s moment. Um, I went and found a, an old commercial for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I can post. I can post a link to it. Um, but those are back in the days where you had to unscrew the cap from the shampoo and you just kind of dumped it into your hand. There was no. Oh yeah, like a no, squirt or there was no squeezy. You know, I mean yeah, the bottle squeezed, but but there was no pump thing and there was no like just flip the little top and you could squeeze it out a little bit. You had to yeah. just take, take the lid off and pour it into your hand. It was, I it was remember. Cool. I remember shampoo being like that when I was little. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. We were never, my grandma was never a fair faucet fan though. She always had Aquanet. That was her go-to. Oh, I had Aquanet too. Yeah. yeah. Aquanet. Um, I also found a, a neat uh, magazine article on Esquire. Um, Esquire talked to Joe Keery about, you know, his hair and the product. Well, he just has a fabulous set of hair. You know, like he's not allowed to cut it between yeah, seasons yeah. unless he gets permission oh i would imagine it's probably like insured for a million dollars right like well he's just <laughs> like no that's why everybody was freaking out after season three when he showed up at that award show with that terrible haircut and i think it was <laughs> i think it was because he was filming that horror movie spree oh right but he was in i think that's my guess but yeah he has said in an interview before that he has to get any haircuts or anything approved by the Duffer brothers before he's allowed to do anything with it. That makes sense. That's probably why this season is taking so long to come out. Cause they're waiting for his hair to grow back. Well, it didn't <laughs> grow, that was, I think, no, maybe it was after season. Yeah. It was after season three that he did that. Yeah. But yes, probably. But I'll, uh, I'll post a link to the Esquire article. It's really funny. Cause they talked to him about, you know, all, uh, all his hair, his hair care regimen and everything like that. He so has a fabulous head of hair. He does. 
So back to the junkyard um, and that whole, I mentioned the whole montage scene, and I love how it was kind of interspersed with the soldiers kind of prepping their thing um, too. Uh, and I'll talk about that more in the music section because I wanted to point out one piece of music that uh, Dixon and Stein did for it. But I love how Lucas is all geared up with the eye black and he's got the headband <laughs> on and stuff. And he's got, you know, kind of camo and everything. And he's um, <laughs> Lucas loves his camo. I just love I think he's I think he's great. And we uh, mentioned the Lucas and Max moment and how they ended up holding hands. I thought. That yeah. Was and really- they drop it real quick. Yeah, that was that was really cute. Um, they actually said when they were filming it that Andrew Stanton, who directed this episode, we mentioned directed the last one too, uh, in filming the closing uh, filming that scene, used the music from Close Encounters, kind of played that in the background yeah. to, to kind of get them in the mood. So this was the scene that he did it for. Yeah, yeah, the oh. uh, the nighttime junkyard scene. Yeah. Okay. And then we go to the tunnels, and all the soldiers die. And then I love that last shot of hopper looking over you know he can kind of kind of see over the edge and then you get the hand and that's not enough because then the head pops up too for like oh i know a split second i just i thought that was great because they could have just left it at the hand and left yeah it, but then to have the head pop up too yeah that was crazy. and they know that there's several of them coming yeah not just one so i think i think it seems quick but i think that's kind of the episode isn't it i mean is there anything else yeah there? i don't i don't think i mean like a lot of people were not in this episode we saw none of the wheelers uh we didn't see 11 we got very little time with mike i mean i think he had like three lines yep um which is fine yeah (laughs) we're mad at you this season mike uh yeah i i don't think that there's anything else i mean i think noah schnapp did a great job this episode just where he does that shift yeah. When he just, he looks completely dead in his eyes. Yeah. When he acts like, when he doesn't know who Bob is, he doesn't know who Hopper is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had a kind of a, I was kind of watching that when I watched it again. And I think mm-hmm. I have a feeling he didn't really know who anybody was, but I think he kind of used complex clues from the room. That's what I and, think he did. You know, and, and he doesn't know Joyce is his mom, but he heard, you know, uh-huh i mean she's kind of hovering over him and i'm calling him baby and all that kind of stuff and then the same thing with mike you know i'm sure at one point joyce is like mike you know we're heading out so he knows that his name is mike but i mean to certainly to not know hopper and to you know not know bob or you know yeah i was kind of confused on the mind flayers tactic right here because you would think he would keep it hidden as long as possible that he was controlling will or using his eyes yeah but you know at the same point he's probably you know if i could get into the mind of the shadow monster for a moment here um, (laughs) he's probably pretty sure of himself and thinks if he can just kind of dispatch of these soldiers which he could do pretty quickly then yeah that that would kind of be you know the whole kit and caboodle and Mm -hmm. he could go on his merry way you know that's how when he puts it together he sees the guard's gun in the holster Right. And yeah. That's when he puts it together. That yeah, he puts it together that the soldiers were the ones that were burning him and mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Other than that, no, I don't have anything. All right. So let's just let's just move on. Is it time for your Colin moment? I have no idea what this week's will be. Yeah. So Colin moment this week was when they were when Nancy and Jonathan and Murray were making their dubbing and they had the dual cassette deck. <laughs> The dubbing cassette deck. And that was like my first, I mean, I had a stereo when I was growing up. We already talked about that in one of the earlier ones, because it was the one that had the little eight track thing in it that I never used. Mm -hmm. Um, But then my first, you know, my first real stereo that I had, I had it on my desk. 
was one of those tape to tape dubbing things and I used it god help me all the time making mixtapes I mean I was I was one of the more prolific mixtape mixers out there and (laughs) mixtape mixtape makers out there plus mine also had a high speed dubbing option too so you could press a button and it would sound like even faster than the chipmunks when when you're when you're doing so you could like dub a whole tape in like five minutes which was awesome oh gotcha yeah um but yeah it just it just took me back to the time you know and again you know kind of mourning for the youth of today and not understanding (laughs) having to wait for your song to come on the radio you know mixtapes in general or but yeah i mean totally yeah like what do they do now you think they just they're like hey i made you this playlist on spotify yeah here's a spotify playlist for you or whatever do you think that's what they do i need to ask evie yeah i don't know i don't even know if it's a thing i mean i don't like do they just not oh gosh that like I mean, even when Mike and I started dating 11 years ago, yeah. he would he would make me a CD to, to listen to on my drive. Oh, yeah. Cincinnati. I made Holly a ton of CDs. And I even made her mixtapes, like, you know. Yeah. And, and into CDs. They were yeah. so special, too. Like they, we had songs. I mean, we had yeah. a song that is our song. And my girlfriends yeah. in high school, it was our song, you know. Yeah, and, so do we. But I don't think, I don't think, I don't think kids these days. Oh, get off my <laughs> lawn. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I just loved everything about it. It just, it just seeing the kind of the, there was the, you know, just the, the dual cassette, you know, tape to tape dubbing kind of thing. It was just, I mean, it's just something you never see anymore. You can get them on eBay, but I mean, you know, you know, why would what you What are you going to use it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. That actually reminds me of a question I do have. Why do Nancy and Jonathan think this is a good idea? Because it seems like they're just asking to be murdered by the government. Because they would know who Owens had this conversation with. I, I I have a feeling that Nancy's ambition to, you know, get some justice for Barb, hashtag justice for Barb, is, <laughs> Overrides kind, of, or... is kind of outweighing everything else. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that's kind of her big concern, you know, and it's I mean, I'm nervous for, for them. I mean, going back to episode, well, going back to, you know, the KFC dinner when she was bawling in the in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, at the Holland's well, house. So. Did you also hear Joyce say, talking to Bob, when she's explaining to Bob, oh, I had to sign a thousand forms. I wasn't allowed to mention it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and that like, was, a, that was, a, we talked about that in that episode too, when, when they agree, um, when Joyce and Hopper are in the lab and he's walking her down the hall yes. and said, they're going to let us go in, but here's the deal. We never talk about it. We never mention it again. And, and then, then they, and then Joyce, and then there was a news article. And then there's a whole newspaper article where Joyce is blaming the lab. So I, yeah. I yeah. Don't know if that's like maybe con- they just forgot. And, yeah. Could be. Well, yeah. and maybe they didn't know for sure they would get picked up for a second season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when they filmed the scene of Hopper putting the egos in that. Maybe that was just tacked on after. Yeah, could be. They were. Oh, I don't know. All right, let's play a let's play a little. Where in the world is? I'm ready. Not really. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spare you one of them because as I was when I went back and I always kind of watch it and take notes and then I go back again and kind of get my you know superlatives and like mm-hmm. where the world is and stuff. And I realized getting done the episode, I'm like, I don't think they're anywhere in the world is this. But then I went back and watched. Um, and the first one I noticed that I'm not going to quiz you on is when Dustin and Steve go down into the basement, the cellar looking for the Demogorgon. There's a milk crate and it says Sunnydale Farms on the milk crate. So I was going to ask you if Sunnydale Farms was a real 
was a real dairy farm and it is it's in brooklyn and it's a real farm and it's a real milk crate and stuff but so we will move on and they're both from the same um scene when nancy and jonathan and murray are making the tapes and they address one of the packages and can you kind of plop it on the table so we can see it first is murray's return address which we kind of mentioned last week the 3833 but now we find out his full address which is 3833 walker drive in Cesar, illinois so how much of that do you think is real if any of it is real or if, if there is a Cesar, illinois if there is a walker drive have at it i think there is a Cesar, illinois there is a Cesar, illinois what is the rest of my question? It's uh, it's about it's southeast of St. Louis. It's way down south in Illinois. It's actually closer to St. Louis than it is to Chicago. But yes, yeah, so Cesar, Illinois. But then thirty eight, thirty three Walker Drive. Is there has name. to be. There has to be one. There is no Walker Drive, but coincidentally, there is a Murray Street. <laughs> How is there not a Walker Drive in a town? I feel like that's a very it's common a, name. It's a very dinky little. Dinky little town. No offense uh, to Cesar, Cesarinians. Gosh, now um, nobody from Cesar is going to listen to us. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's one. So the second okay. one is where they addressed it too, which is the Chicago Sun-Times at 401 North Wabash, Chicago. Real address? Fake address? Real address. <laughs> yes, and I'll give it to you, but with a twist. Because in 2005, the Chicago Sun-Times moved, moved from North Wabash and are no longer there anymore. And they tore down the old Chicago Sun-Times building to build the Trump- new Chicago Times. Trump International. <laughs> oh, no. It's the Trump International Hotel and Apartments or whatever. So 401 North Wabash is now the Trump something or other. It is no longer the Sun-Times, but it was until 2005. So that tracks well i thought yeah i thought for sure i was like no way they just made up an address for like a you know a decently sized paper right so there you go good job on those you did better you did better on those than i did on my homework (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk a couple little things wait did did you see something what did what did you see we already mentioned nancy taking the second gulp of vodka which i thought was great (laughs) i have one that i love Okay, what's yours? When Steve opens the trunk and he just pops those keys up in the air. Oh, flips the and, keys to Dustin? Yeah, and Dustin catches them. Yeah, it's such good. a little like move, but it's yeah. so smooth. It's it so was, smooth. Uh, yeah, completely unnecessary, but very smooth. He could have yeah. very easily handed him or stuck oh, him yeah. in his pocket. It's his, yeah. key, his car. Right. No, man. Why are you throwing him to Dustin? But He's that's okay. like a modern day Fonzie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I also liked, we talked about Erica uh, on the bed making He-Man and Barbie play kissy face. Mm-hmm. But when Dustin, uh, when the Lucas takes He-Man away, you notice that she actually grabbed one of her other stuffed animals, a, a yeah. stuffed penguin, and yeah. starts making them kiss instead. <laughs> it's like, well, and as, you know, when I was a little girl, that would have never flown because there were two different types of toys. Like my stuffed animals would never yeah. make out with like my Barbies, but yeah. like Barbie and GI Joe free reign. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't have cross pollination. That's not going to, that's not going to, Yeah, that was too weird. But when Barbie was, you know, like this much taller than GI Joe because the figurines, I mean, it didn't matter. They'd yeah. like stand on each other's shoulders to get a kiss from her. That's right. 
Uh, and then one other last one I had, we talked about Space Knife last week um, mm-hmm. with the uh, video game. So now in um, Murray's apartment, I don't know if you noticed, but in the background in one of his record crates with his albums, he has the Space Knife album. Oh. It's kind of it's kind of right behind Nancy. You can see it. It's very clear. It's, I do not. I don't know how to like, I don't know how you catch all this stuff because I like I'm watching it and I'm so focused on the characters like i feel like i don't have time to look at everything i think it's because i'm so familiar with it you know yeah. like i said so usually what i'll do is i'll rewatch the episode like on like on saturday and oh, that's okay. when i'm taking my notes and, and then watch it again everything and i kind of have it in the back of my head you know if there's a good line or if there's something particularly 80s but uh, so i'm kind of half taking notes half watching Mm-hmm. And then, then I'll watch it again, like the next day, like Sunday or, you know, Monday night or something. Uh, and then I'll really be kind of, I won't really even be paying attention to the story. I'll just be kind of looking oh. you know, for kind of weird 80s and things or like, you know. To be fair, I've maybe only seen season two twice. Yeah. Because it's my least favorite season, but, but I've not good. watched it. Oh, it's still good, but yeah. I haven't watched it as much as I've watched one and three. All right. Let's talk music real quick. Let's do it. First song is Hammer to Fall by Queen. And this is the one that's playing when uh, Steve and Dustin are going to Dustin's house. Uh, Came out October 12th of 1984. So very close, but still works. Um, And reached number 35 on the mainstream rock tracks. Uh, The next couple of songs, next three songs actually are from Murray's Place. Uh, The first one is There is Frost on the Moon by Artie Shaw and and his orchestra. That came out in 1936, and that is the song that's playing when they're kind of decompressing after doing all their mailings and, and swinging their vodka and Murray's pointing out all the lying that's going on. The next one is You Better Go Now by Billie Holiday. I want you so now. You have lips that's the song that's playing when Nancy and Jonathan finally succumbed to their wildest passionate desires. Came out in 1945. And we already know that Murray's a big Billie Holiday fan after last week. So, And then the next song, the last one at Murray's Place, is Blue Bayou by Roy Orbison. It came out in 1963. This is the song that was playing um, at breakfast on the morning after. Um, It reached number 29 on the charts in 1963. And then we do a hard record scratch and arrive at Round and Round by Rat. Which is playing as Billy is uh, smoking and drinking and lifting weights. Came out in February of 1984 and reached number 12 on the charts and was Rat's biggest selling record to date. And then I also mentioned earlier, I wanted to um, point out one track by Dixon and Stein from the score, um, and the song is Soldier. This is a song that's playing um, as it, it's kind of a, a montage of song too, but I just love it. It's just, it's so unlike anything that Dixon and Stein have done to this point. It's, you know, all their other stuff is very synthy and kind of eighties, but I just, I just, I really wanted to, we don't really give Dixon and Stein all the love that we should be giving them. So mm-hmm. I'll do a little shout out um, to that one song. I think it's just, just really great. Okay. I think that wraps it up except for superlatives. Ooh. 
MVP, I could have gone a hundred different ways, but I, I just wanted to give it to David Harbour for that scene when he's doing his little apology to Eleven. I think I think there are lots of great performances, and I think a lot of people did a lot of good work, but I just think that one scene, and he did some other good stuff in the episode, too. I love the look that he gives um, when he's throwing up, and Owens comes in and says, you okay, cowboy? Oh, yeah. He's like, never yeah, better. Never better. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to give it to David Harbour for um, his performance on that, on the apology radio call to 11. I don't think you have to guess. I think you know who mine's going to be. Steve Harrington. It always starts and ends with Steve, right? I mean, most of the time, yes, but I especially love him in this episode. He gets, I feel like this is the first time we really get to see Steve come into his own. Yeah. It kind of thinking back to three or four weeks ago when we were running the Steve Harrington douchebag meter and, this he, Steve would never, he wouldn't even clock in. And he was a 10 with an asterisk because he was just yeah. so terrible. And, <laughs> and now look at him. Look at him shine. Little boy, Steve, he's all grown up. I love him. <laughs> okay. Best line. I went with Murray in the morning after at breakfast. Not the oops. So, Jonathan, how was the pullout? <laughs> I'm sorry. The sofa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good line. It is. I just, I just love it. And wildly I, inappropriate, Murray, but. <laughs> it's just so great. It's just, it's one of the few times in Stranger Things when I, you know, legitimately laughed out loud. Yeah. Um, it's not one of those shows that you think of as being, you know, very funny no. or lighthearted, but that was, that was just a great line. What, what do you got? Uh, I went with Steve and Dustin's conversation about the fair faucet. Although it does bother me that he says that you put it, he puts the hairspray on when it's damp, not wet, but damp. Because that would make it very crunchy. And his hair is not crunchy at all. Fabergé. What? It's Fabergé Organics. Use the shampoo and the conditioner. And when your hair is damp, it's not wet. Okay. When it's damp, damp. Do four puffs of the Farrah Fawcett spray. Speaking of which, my most 80s moment is the Farrah Fawcett hairspray. And the Fabergé organic shampoo. Yes, but mainly the hairspray, because that's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, like, when you say Fabergé, I think of, like, a Fabergé egg. Right. I, I, I think of, um, oh, what was the, oh, Brute by Fabergé. Oh, I do remember Brute. Yeah. Brood. What a dumb name. By, by Fabergé. My dad actually used that cologne. I remember that was the first cologne I ever used because it was my dad's cologne. I think my grandfather used it. And, and I remember I was like going out to, uh, I'll have to have my mom confirm this, but I think I was going out to a high school dance or something at some she point. She was like, you need this. And, you know, you're a big boy now. You can use dad's cologne. So I put on the Brute <laughs> by Fabergé. Um, I went with Steve arriving at the junkyard. Um, oh. He just he just walks up and he's got the members only jacket and he's got the perfect hair and he's got the Ray Bans and he just like screamed eighties to me. Yeah, just, he's very he's very Tom. He's got like a Tom Cruise-ness oh, about absolutely. him in that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay, most Stranger Thing. Uh, I feel like you're going to be shocked with what I picked because it is not the Demodogs. Okay, it's. When Will doesn't recognize anybody and he looks dead in the eyes, that was that was a pretty stranger it's so thing. So creepy. Yeah, I, I hate it. 
Yeah, especially going back and watching it and and realizing that when he's saying "go here," mm-hmm. that, he's, that he's talking as the shadow monster, which is yeah, kind of crazy. And like he he planned it out. Like he yeah. he went and picked a part in the tunnel, like yeah. picked a spot to send him. It's one like you know, it's one of those when you kind of watch it the second time and you realize mm-hmm. what he's doing because in the moment you're like, oh, he's trying to help, great. And yeah, then you go back and watch it like, oh boy, no, yeah. no, he's not. Yeah, mine was uh, the scene at the junkyard actually when Steve wanders out of the bus to kind of confront Dart, and then all of a sudden there are more, and because to this point we didn't realize there were more. Nope. Nope. So all of a sudden, there are three, four, five Demogorgons going on, which is kind of very very freaky at the moment. But I do love when Max and Dustin are looking out the bus windows and she said, he's insane. And he goes, he's awesome. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. I almost went with the um, with the gate when they went down and they saw how expansive the gate was and how they were like. 500 yeah. yards underground but it just feels yeah. real hopeless when you see that okay i think that does it yeah that does it for this week if you enjoy scoops Hoy, you can always leave us a review on apple itunes because that's what rules the podcast world and it'll help us get in front of other potential listeners if you want to email us and submit your own superlatives or send us a behind the scenes trivia something you know about stranger things feel free to do that at scoops pod at gmail.com you can find us on the socials instagram facebook twitter at scoops pod and next week we will be discussing ugh, chapter seven the lost sister my least favorite episode in all of stranger things get excited don't get excited well get excited to listen to us be prepared to hear me be real mad for an yes. entire episode. And I think I have a feeling this is going to be one that a lot of people kind of, you know, if you're just tripping on our podcast, they're going to, what did they say about the lost sister? Let's just start there. <laughs> if this is the first episode they listen to. Then if, yes. if I agree with them on the lost sister, I'm going to listen to everything else. <laughs> oh, come on. The world agrees with me about the lost sister. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyways, that does it for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Right. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.